Okay, so it's, uh, first of all, I apologize that it's been so long since we've uh, had class, and I, <laughs> I've been here, it seems like it's probably been like four weeks now, something like that, since the last time I actually taught. Um, so I'm, I'm really jonesing, uh, but it's, you know, we've had uh, people coming in and guest speakers, and we had Pete, and uh, um, so, you know, I'm glad that we're, we're back to it, um, and uh you know, we took a break. Um, I took one week break from our uh, series that we've been going over. We've been going over why we use the King James Version of the Bible. Um, this would be uh, lesson five. Um, and, you know, we've talked about a lot of things, uh, you know, in, in the, on this topic. And um, the first thing that we covered was the spirit of this conversation. We don't want to, what, what we mean by that is we don't want to look at people who use other versions of the Bible and separate ourselves from them just because they use a different version of the Bible. Uh, understand that people can get saved from different versions of the Bible and it's not... Um, an exclusive thing to the King James Version of the Bible. One of the, one of the key things that I always point out is, hey, the, I believe that this is the best book for English-speaking people. Um, if you tend to think that you can only be saved from the King James Version of the Bible, then where does that leave the rest of the world that doesn't speak English? Uh, English is not spoken, as we know, is not spoken all over the world. There's other native languages. And so if it is the KJV Bible that saves, uh, then that excludes a large majority of the world that doesn't speak English. So we, we need to just temper um, our argument and our debate to the fact that people can get saved from other versions of the Bible. I just believe that the King James Version is the best version for English-speaking people um, and is the best interpretation for God's Word in our language. Um, and then the next lesson we covered uh, the difference between the critical text and the received text. Uh, the critical text being the more recent version of um, the, uh, the manuscripts that are used to create these newer English translations. Uh, and the received text being the more traditional uh, manuscripts that are based off of... Um, uh, that, that the King James Version is based off of. We're talking thousands of manuscripts versus simply hundreds, uh, or not even hundreds. I think it's mainly two manuscripts uh, that are the, the critical text is uh, based on. Um, and then the next uh, topic we, we discussed was specific terms that are crucial to our discussion of this topic. Um, the first one being inspiration. Uh, inspiration being God breathed his word. You know, that's one of the key doctrines of the King James Version of the Bible um, and of Baptists in general is that God is the one who wrote this book, not man, and that came about by inspiration. Um, the next thing we talked about is uh, preservation, that God kept his word. Uh, understand that we have a finished Bible in our hands. Um, that wasn't going on, that didn't happen, and wasn't available to early Christians um, until about 100 A.D. Um, understand that in Christ's time, they didn't have a finished version of the Bible. Uh, but God preserved his word. God preserved his word in the Old Testament. Uh, there are Old Testament references to different books. So we need to understand that God has always preserved his words. Um, which is not necessarily something that people on the other side of this argument would believe, okay? Um, the next uh, uh, 
key term was illumination. God clarifies his word. That is, God defines his, uh, his word. He defines his book through self-explanation in, in the book itself. Um, and the next thing uh, is translation. God uses man to render his word. God, outside of writing the Ten Commandments, um, has never written another word of the Bible. Um, it's always been, he's always used man to write his words down. Um, and then canonization, uh, that's another term, that, the final term that we discussed, and that's God's people uh, recognize his word. You can recognize his word through the similar patterns and phrases uh, and stories that align together to create the canonized word of God. Uh, so if you come across somebody who's going to um, talk to you about, say, uh, the scriptures that scriptures and quotes that Joseph Smith discovered uh, in the United States uh, in the 19th century, um, do those follow what the Bible has already established? You know, and that's how you can test it. That's how you can test some of these other books of the Bible. I remember specifically when uh, my wife and I were getting married and we were looking for scriptures uh, for our wedding ceremony. Um, we got this book of popular like verses, you know, for weddings. Uh, and um, I remember there was one uh, from where we're looking at this scripture. And we're like, oh, that's kind of a nice scripture. And then it says Tobit something something. And I'm like, Tobit? What's, what's the book of Tobit? I've never heard of the book of Tobit before. Um, and I honestly don't remember what, where, I, I think it's apocryphal scripture from, I, I want to say Catholics. I, can't, I, can't, I honestly can't remember. Don't quote me that it's a Catholics. But it's an apocryphal book, meaning it's not a canonized word of God. It doesn't follow um, the, the narration that God has laid out in previous books, uh, recognized books of the Bible. And so, you know, we can, we can recognize these things by looking at the scripture that we have, comparing these other books and saying, yeah, this doesn't really fit what God has already established. Okay. Um, and then the last time we got together, we went over some specific passages where the modern translation weakened key doctrines of the Bible. Okay. And so today we're going to continue that look into verses that are weakened through modern translations. All right. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to um, turn our Bibles to First Timothy. Uh, I'm sorry, Second Timothy, chapter three. Uh, we're going to read our our kind of through verse for this for this series. Um, and just a reminder, because I'm going to be looking at it a lot today, this is uh, the book that this series is based on, A More Sure Word by R.B. Ouellette. Um, this book is uh, a good resource. Um, in fact, my previous church um, handed the one book of these out free to every family uh, in the church. That's how much uh, we believe that the King James Version of the Bible is the correct version to use. Um, so that's where uh, this study is based off of. In case you want to study more in depth, because obviously I'm not going as in depth um, as the author does. Um, so 2 Timothy 3.16, I want to read verse 17.2, says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. 
And there's a specific reason that I chose this particular passage uh, for this series, and, and that is it gives us a summation of what Scripture is used for. Um, and we, we look at all these uses uh, for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, righteousness, um, and, what it, and, and the result is that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Um, we, we look at that. And if you don't believe in a specific version of the Bible, how can you have confidence that the Bible is going to give you all of these factors together? You know, and, and that's really what it's all about. God um, inspired men to write these. God used men to write his word so that we have all of these key elements so that we may be perfect, trying to, trying to be like Christ. And if we don't have one single um, scripture to follow or one single book and the best version for us as English-speaking people to follow, um, you know, all of a sudden that, that argument, and this, especially these two passages, are, are almost worthless. Um, and you know, we, we need to keep that in mind as we say and settle on one particular version of the Bible. We don't want to have this argument, um, and we don't want it to separate us from each other, but we also want to be confident in the book that we're reading is the correct one and the best one for us as English-speaking people. Okay, so... Let's turn in our Bibles. Um, we're going to be mostly in, in the um, New Testament today. So let's go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start exploring uh, more verses that are, are weakened by more modern translations of the Bible. Okay, so um, we're going to start in Luke chapter 2 and we're going to read verse uh, 33. Um, and it says, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those uh, things which were spoken of him. Um, and here we see that it's Joseph and his mother. Um, you know, when we talk about Jesus and, and the birth of Jesus, Mary is always consistently in the New Testament referred to as his mother. Right? No really argument there. Um, but when we look at the New American Standard um, version and the, uh, the ESV, which I think is, uh, I can't remember what they call that one. Is it the English Standard Version? English Standard Version, that's what I thought. It says, um, uh, the NASB is, and his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And in the ESV it says, and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Who is Jesus' father? But here it's clearly referencing Joseph in this instance. Is Joseph his father? No, the answer is he's his earthly father. Okay, he's the one who is tasked to take care of him in his physical form here on earth. And we all are aware of situations just like that. Um. And we have situations where it's, you know, in our, uh, let's take this out of the argument, but there are situations where, like, I have two stepbrothers, okay? Uh, come from the same father, uh, come from the same dad, but we have different mothers. All right? Um, now, they call my mom, uh, both, of, both of my brothers, they call her mom. Now, they've been a, she's been a mother to them for 
you know, 30 plus years. Um, uh, but they're not, she's not their birth mother. Okay. Um, if, if we're going to be specific about this, about that particular situation, it's going to be their mother is, her name was Susan. Uh, their mother is Susan. I believe that's her name. Might have been Janet. I can't remember. I don't know. I didn't, I never met her. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's a more complicated situation than that, but at any rate, so, so yeah, you can have a situation where either you, you adopt someone or um, a, from a previous marriage where children come in and they can, they can come in and be a stepmother or some, something like that and legally be a mother. But um, these translations, if they want to use that, they, can, they, they should be more careful about the wording that they use because the Bible, God was very specific to point out that it was Joseph and his mother. Um, Joseph uh, was a very, you know, by all accounts in the in the Bible, he took care of his family. Um, he took care of Mary. Uh, he he took Mary in in a time where the rest of the world could have just stoned her um, and, and had her killed, and thus killing the child inside of her as well, um, because they were betrothed, they were engaged, and she was pregnant. Um, and he, even after God came to him, he could have still done that legally by the Jewish law, right? And he was better than that. Um, he feared God enough to take into account what Angel Gabriel said to him uh, and became his earthly father. Now, if they wanted to be uh, more specific about it and not muddy those waters of who Jesus' father were, they could have said his earthly father... Um, but they chose to say his father and mother. Um, God is not amazed by Jesus. He, he knows exactly what he was doing. I mean, right? Uh, uh, God knows exactly what Jesus is capable of. He, does, he, would not be, he would not be amazed nor marveled by what Jesus can do. Uh, Joseph, on the other hand, absolutely can be amazed and marveled at what his son can, what his earthly son, you know, this, this, per, this child he was tasked to overlook what he would do and could do and will do. Okay. Um, I, I'm going into depth on these because we need to understand why this is weakening the word, God's word. Okay. Um, let's turn in our Bibles to John uh, chapter 3. We're going to turn to John chapter 3. If I get there, John chapter 3. We're going to read verse 13. And this is Jesus speaking, and it says, No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? He's saying that nobody has ascended up to heaven, uh, but he, that's him, that came down from heaven. So he says he's already been in heaven. Even the Son of Man, who's the Son of Man? Jesus, uh, which is in heaven. He's saying even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. He's saying that present tense is in heaven. NASB, listen to this. 
Uh, and no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, even the Son of Man. Done. Uh, ESV. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Done. Basically, what they're saying is that the omnipresence of God is not possible now that Jesus is in human form. Okay, Jesus is no longer in heaven now that he, um, now that he is on earth. What's one of the things we know about God and one of the attributes that God has? What's that? He's, and what's that? Does anybody know what that term is? He's everywhere at all times. Omnipresence, yes. Very good. So with these, with these different versions, see, we, we tend to cut out because we want to make things simpler, right? We want to, it's human nature to try to summarize and make things simpler. How many of you ever used Cliff Notes in high school or anything? <laughs> right? I never did, uh, only because I just didn't do the work. Okay, I didn't even want to do so little work that I, <laughs> that I read some, a, a truncated version of it. I, I didn't even read it. Okay, but we want to do that as people as a whole. You know, we want to make things simpler for ourselves. In fact, um, I was, uh, when I rented a car, this is how, how simple we try to do things. I rented a car when I was down in Orlando, and, and I get this little key fob. And you guys have probably seen this and, and heard of it, and, but I haven't encountered it yet. But it's a, it's a keyless start. Basically, just the simple presence of the key fob around the car can start the vehicle. You know, kind of like remote start, but if you try to get in a vehicle that has remote start, you try to put it in gear, it's not going anywhere, okay? Um, now, I just, that's how simple. We can't even take a key anymore, put it in an ignition, and turn it. Even, even this is kind of strange to me, right? I mean, automobile keys, when I grew up, looked something like this. You know, that's, right, that's what it, that's what it looked like. Then we went to this. And now we don't even have to put anything there. We just push a button. And it starts. Uh, not only that, but now, uh, you know, I was, uh, I'm sitting there, I get in the car, and I'm looking around, I'm like, how do I put this thing in gear? I push a little knob and the windshield wipers go on. I'm like, what just happened? And I took this and then, Nope, that, that was my turn signals. Now my blinkers start going off. I looked at the console and there's a little turn thing because I've seen those before. Nope, that's putting in four-wheel drive and two-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. I'm like, where is the transmission on this thing or the shear, the gear shift? So on the dashboard is the little screen because all cars have to have a screen now. Um, and I'm thinking, is there something on here? And then I look below that, and then even further down, and there's a P, and an R, and an N, and a D. It was a GMC Terrain. And I'm like, I press the D down, and the cars, you know, will go forward. Scared. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am that old man now that when automatic transmissions came out that said, I don't trust this. I don't trust that. 
We've dumbed it down so much that we're doing pushing buttons now to move cars forward. Okay? Think about that. Think about that. It's like we, we, we do that. We just do that inherently as people. We want to make things easier for ourselves. And in so doing in this translation, we've gone from taking God as someone who can be anywhere, everywhere at all times to simply being in human form and in one place at one time. Think about that, how that can corrupt and corrode somebody's confidence in Jesus Christ and his salvation and what he brings. And it was funny, by the way. I, I, I was just kind of flabbergasted. It literally took me 10 minutes to get out of the car rental place. I, I couldn't. Right? Right. I, I, I uh, yeah, and then they have little buttons if you want to play with your tra- you know transmission uh, manually. That you oh yeah, well it's like Tesla, yeah, but yeah. Uh, so if anybody has occasion to rent a car and you can't find the gear shift, try looking for buttons. Right. Uh, yeah, it was an interesting, interesting thing. I will say this, though. I do like those reverse cameras, because I can back into a spot really easily mm-hmm. with that. Because now, not only do they have... Because ca- they used to just have cameras and nothing else. You know, you just see... So now they got the little little thing that says, hey, this is your car. This is, like, your zone that you're going in. So you can just, like... You can reverse, and it kind of turns with you however far you turn that steering wheel. I'm like... I, I, I do kind of like that. Um, but once the EMPs hit, those electronic magnetic pulses, uh, those cars are done. You can't drive anything, so. I, I am going to try to find a car that I can drive that doesn't do that and just keep it around, just in case. Right, yeah. I want four on the floor, baby. Um, is it time already? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, so, we'll, we'll, I'm sorry. We'll stop there for today. Um, I have uh, several more verses uh, that we need to go through, uh, so we'll continue this uh, next week. Um, I, I do pray that this was uh, this lesson was a blessing to you, and that um, the series is a blessing to you and helps build your confidence in the King James Bible, especially seeing what other versions are doing to God's Word. Um, and and trust me, I, I don't believe for a moment that some of these other versions that I, I do believe that. Uh, some of these people that were making these versions, they're doing it from an honest place in their heart. I just don't think they've tried to follow God's will. I believe they did it as they wanted to make it easier for people. Just like when we want to make it easier for people, um, they don't want to learn when something is easy uh, and then their car crashes. You know, uh, we've heard about those self-piloting cars uh, that have hit people or have crashed or just outright get destroyed. Um, we want to make it easier for people. Hey, there's going to be those bumps in the road. Um, but, but, you know, I hope this, you know, I hope this lesson is these lessons, the series is a blessing to you and that we will continue to grow in our confidence in the King James version of the Bible. So with that, um, 